Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for February the 27th in the year of our Lord, 2023. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth, ladies and gentlemen. Wow, have we got an incredible show for you. By the way, we were not live on Saturday as we normally are. Long story, family stuff. But last Friday, we had on, of course, Dr. Scott Bradley. He'll be on today as well. But last Friday, we talked to Brad Good, China expert and president of thechinadeclaration.com. Check that out. Brad has two masters from the University of Chicago. He lived in China for a long time. And the China challenge, he says, is, hey, we lack a cohesive strategy. Amen to that. Uh, We talked about a Japanese professor at Yale suggested a radical proposal to solve the elderly crisis in Japan. Yeah, listen carefully. Mass suicide of the elderly is the only plan. He said, well, he's not really proposing that. He's just saying everybody's going to be proposing and talking about that. So he wants to be the lead on it. This is the problem is we don't have any respect for life in the communist nation of China or Japan or even, sadly, in the United States anymore either. We've got to stand for life. After all, the whole purpose of government is to protect life, liberty, and property. And there's no value of liberty and property without life, right? Anyway, we talked about Nicholas Burns is the ambassador to the People's Republic of China. Uh, They call it PRC, nominated by President Biden, they say. Confirmed by the U.S. Senate in December 21, December of 21, I should say. Uh, Anyway, we talked about a coalition of more than 20 companies launched the Climate Removal Alliance. They want to go ahead and remove tons of CO2 from the environment. And uh, in my opinion, it's disaster if they do that. Uh, Pretty soon we'll have all kinds of other problems. You cannot do these things without repercussions. We talked about a four-star Air Force General, Mike Minahan, predicts war with China by 2025. Now, I pray he's wrong. China's financial nuclear option we mentioned, which is financial. Do the Chinese people uh, think Americans are great? What do they think of America? We talked about all that in the interview. It was incredible. Uh, And Dr. Bradley asked some very informative questions about the Communist Chinese Party uh, and the people and the repercussions about guys like uh, Brad speaking out. Brad's got a wife that's Chinese. They lived in China for a long time. Now they live in America. His wife is so scared that she's divorcing him. Folks, this is the stuff we're talking about. The CCP is out of control, belligerent, uh, flexing their muscle worldwide with police stations even in the United States. That's right, communist Chinese police stations in America now. The American government seems to be willingly going along and selling us out to the Chinese. It is disaster. I digress, but that's a recap. Check the broadcast out, uh, lovingliberty.net and libertynewsradio.com or libertyroundtable.com for that information. Last tidbit, we've got great news. Brideon Radio has been carrying the first hour of our program for quite some time. Now they're going to add the second hour of the show to their lineup as well. So we continue to grow at Liberty Roundtable Live. And as we do so, we welcome Dr. Scott Bradley back to the radio. Welcome, sir. 
Uh oh, we'll try to get Scott back. I know nope, the we're here. There you go, it's buddy. Pilot, pilot error on my part. No uh, worries, sir. Know, Welcome. <laughs> thank you. Uh, you know, I, oftentimes I start my report since we are having a guest out of Arizona today. They probably ought to be, I don't know, pretty happy down there. We are in for another snow week. It was heavy snow again last night. The long, hard winter continues, and we'll probably uh, go down in history as a flood season. Who knows in the in the spring instead of our normal uh, drought. So I don't know. We're, we've got, uh, here it is, it's you know basically March. Usually we start to get a little respite by now, but not so. Anyway. Yeah, global warming Good. at its finest. There you go, ladies it and is. gentlemen. Our guest is Rachel Alexander. She's been on us with be, on the radio with us before. She writes for the ArizonaSunTimes.com. ArizonaSunTimes.com is the website. But, man, there was explosive testimony, ladies and gentlemen, at the Senate Elections and House Municipal Oversight and Elections Joint Meeting last Thursday. And it accuses Hobbs, Fontes, Runbeck, that's the third-party elections partner company or whatever, and judges of racketeering, ladies and gentlemen. And, um, well, Jackie Berger laid down the testimony, folks, and she outlined the most complex investigation into political corruption in Arizona you have ever heard. It is riveting. It is shocking that it's this bad. And I'm going to leave Rachel to be the one to break this down for us. Welcome back to Liberty Roundtable Live, Rachel. Great. Thanks for having me on, you guys. Uh, yeah, this just was mind-blowing. I mean, it was so mind-blowing that Twitter blew up, and, like, the 11th trending topic on Twitter yesterday was arrest Katie Hobbs, the governor, the alleged governor of Arizona now, because this lady's testimony, this Jacqueline Breger, a forensic investigator, um, she tied it all together, and she basically said that uh, these elected officials are involved with laundering money um, from the Sinaloa cartel. A lot of it goes through the real estate industry, and um, she like looked up all these recorded deeds for these elected officials, and she showed how um, there were forged signatures, and again, this is all alleged, so I'm not stating that none of this has been proven in court yet. I don't want to get sued, but um, she you know, pretty much showed the legislators, look at these signatures, and, and the reason she knows all this is because uh, the two women who are apparently um, heavily involved with the cartel doing all of this, one of them is the ex-wife of the attorney she works for. And so apparently that woman has been cooperating with them and turning over all this information and saying, look, you know, we went and we forged all these signatures so we could, you know, create all these fake deeds. And and, and, and they weren't just for elected officials. They were for all kinds of other people. And so, you know, this woman said that there were thousands and thousands of these, these false recorded deeds. And, and it goes into the whole election fraud um, thing because she said that uh, she discovered that uh, Maricopa County's database was hackable and it was – she said it was deliberately built so it could be hacked from the outside. 
and that these elected uh, officials in charge of elections have been um, paid off. She claims that this Adrian Fontes, who's now our Secretary of State, who used to be our Maricopa County recorder, this far-left progressive, she said he had five ghost employees working for him. They weren't real people, but he just, you know, pretended that they existed so he could get fraudulent stuff done. Now, the interesting thing about this whole story, though, is when you start naming names and you start putting dates and you start literally in the outline, it was a, uh, I can't remember what it was, a 47-page document or whatever else. And in that document, she gave example after example after example. And what she was focusing on is exactly the details because she's a title company expert. And that's how they kind of caught this in the beginning. They find fraudulent real estate deals, which is the way they're laundering money. Uh, and uh, the bottom line is signatures don't match on those uh, documents. Uh, signatures are forged by two main people. And this is what I mean when you start naming names. You name Katie Hobbs and the real estate deals done under her name. You prove that signatures don't match. Then she documents who provided those signatures or who does this work on behalf of the cartel. And it was basically, a, what is it, a Donna Chavez and a Brittany Chavez, a m- mother and daughter that have been doing this for years. Uh, when you start putting names and places and people and signatures and, and, and this in your example, you've gone beyond probable cause, though. So we don't want to get sued and say this is fact. Let it go to court. Let, let the chips fall where they may. But this is beyond the probable cause discussion at this point. When you bring all that evidence with names and places and dates and people and signature examples uh, and everything else, uh, you're far along uh, in this investigation. Certainly it needs to be handed off and taken to the next level, Rachel. Your point's right. But this is serious allegations at the least indeed but when you back it up with those details i'm we're beyond probable cause are we not well that's what i think i mean when you've got witness testimony that stating you know when especially if this uh britney chavez which is the one who's been talking if she's gonna come and talk in a court of law it's pretty hard to refute that in fact the last couple of days i've just been thinking personally to myself thinking Okay, what are they going to do to fight back and claim that this stuff isn't valid? Because because look at all the election fraud cases. They they've been able to push back even when they've had witness testimony. Like, you know, this this crooked company, in my opinion, run back election systems. They've had whistleblowers come forth now and and testify in Carrie Lake's trial with affidavits saying that uh, there was no chain of custody for over 300,000 ballots, but nothing's being done. The judge still throws through her lawsuit out you know, in both the trial court and the court of appeals after she appealed. So um, I'm just really, really concerned that because there's so many powerful public officials implicated in this report, they're going to you know, find a way to just get around this very condemning witness testimony anyway. That is the problem. They claim that there's no, if you can skip the break, that'd be perfect. There's no fraud, uh, they claim, but yet none of this gets to court. Every time it gets to court, we don't deal with evidence. We deal with shutting people down on standing. And this is the point Mike Lindell made. uh, And he's right about this, where we just, you know, Sidney Powell, I can keep going on and on and on. The problem is what's credible, what's not, all the details. We don't have facts. But I'm telling you, when she did this report, though, they had a slideshow up uh, and she passed out or whatever this, these documents where she even pointed a page number. Here's the deed. Here's the mismatched signature. You can see for yourself. 
this was beyond just making an allegation, Rachel. And that's the problem. Uh, at some point, I don't know that they can avoid all evidence, can they? They've done it so far. They threw out every single Donald Trump case in 2020. They So far, they've thrown out every single Carrie Lake, Abe Hamaday, Mark Fincham case in 2022. Um, I don't put anything past them. I think the legal system here in Arizona is, you know, the most corrupt one in the country. Now, you consider yourself a recovering attorney, right? Yeah, I used to be the Maricopa <laughs> County election attorney. <laughs> I understand. So I'm trying to ask you now when you look at this, then, is this going to have pay dirt or do they have enough corruption, as they point out, to really bury this? Uh, it's been my experience that they do. I mean, I was the lead attorney on a racketeering lawsuit against the Maricopa County supervisors and judges back in 2010, and they were able to turn it around and disbar my boss and suspend my law license for six months. Dr. Scott Bradley, you've heard the general outline of the story. This is riveting. I heard her testimony. And man, it's got details that are that are. Look, either she could. I mean, it would take somebody with a, a knowledge. And I've been in the mortgage industry. I understand a title and everything else. Look, it would take but seconds to verify her as a fraud or factual, Doctor Bradley. You know, I I'm I'm totally disheartened at the level of apparent corruption, uh, not just in Arizona but everywhere. But um, this is kind of a duh moment to me. You know, like, or a huh moment to me. How did that happen? Well, I'll tell you how it happened. And it might be not be the entire thing, but I think Arizona right now is on the front lines of the invasion through the southern border. And I won't take the time to, to read Thomas Jefferson's statement about the, his concerns about being overrun by immigrants that are not founded in the principles of Americanism. Uh, but just one little brief sentence or two out of it, just so we kind of can frame this. I think we're starting to, to really, really, really um, harvest the fruits of, of a very debauched uh, program that, that is allowing an invasion to occur. Anyway, Jefferson talking about the principles that these people bring with them or lack thereof, certainly not Americanist principles. They're, they're principles that they imbibed in in their previous country. And we, if people aren't aware of the corruption south of our border, at the highest levels of government, I mean, I'm talking about the very highest levels of government, and the uh, drug cartels, and, and uh, they really are, quote-unquote, the law. There's no law. There's no law when the law breaks the law. But here's, here's what Jefferson said in a, just a sentence or two about their mm, principles that they lack, that they, they'll abide by in the United States. He said, these principles, with their language, they will transmit to their children in proportion to their numbers, they will share with us the legislation. They will infuse into it their spirit, warp and bias its directions, and render it a heterogeneous, incoherent, distracted mass. It sounds to me like Arizona's got to do a calibration on themselves and find out, have we allowed ourselves to become the northern border of a corrupt society? And uh, that the... Uh, infusion of you know, this drug money, the idea that uh, you can purchase any election you want. I mean, uh, this is something that has been characteristic 
of the south of the border kind of doing business kind of stuff. And it almost sounds like the borders have been shifted north a few hundred miles. And here we have this in uh, Phoenix, and you know, basically that's the heartland, if you will, for the Phoenix government. And and here we are. Uh, we're we're facing something that I I very very fearful that it look in Joe Biden's administration so far we have had something like five and a half million illegals that they've processed in and embedded into the the United States. We that's right. How many other millions have come through that? Nobody played tag your it with. They just got in. Nobody knows where the heck they are or what they're doing or anything like that. I th I think the cartels have found, you know what, this is a pretty good pocket to pick if we can. But let's and, go to uh, Rachel really quick because, look, this is interesting. It's uh, Phoenix is pretty liberal, but Mesa is supposed to be the conservative uh, kind of side of the, the valley or discussion there a little bit and stuff. And when they literally now say, hey, these people are all compromised. Mesa, Arizona is run by the Sinaloa drug Mexican cartels, including the elections board, the police departments, the prosecutors and judges, and the Mesa DA will make up charges to prosecute anyone on behalf of the cartel who uh, disagrees, stands up, does anything to create accountability. Rachel, again, these allegations, we've heard them for years. Now, though, they're bringing literally... Um, facts to the table, aren't they? Right. And I want to point out that Mesa is no longer very conservative. Their mayor, John Giles, uh, endorses Democrats. Um, they've really, really gone downhill. And I do like the analogy to, you know, saying we're now like an extension of, <laughs> excuse me, we're now an extension of Mexico. I've been saying that Arizona has turned, returned to the Wild West. We're, uh, you know, lawless, but um, the, all of the lawlessness is the Wild West. But that's another – I think I like that extension of Mexico even better. And um, I, I just hate to be a negative Nelly, you guys, but I don't see anything changing. I think, I think we are one of the most corrupt states in the nation, and the left has figured out how to steal us. I just did an article about how GOP voter registration in this state keeps increasing. We just went from a – for a three percent Republican lead over Democrats statewide to a four percent lead, and in Maricopa County we went from a four percent lead of Republicans over Democrats to a four point five percent lead. So, so we're becoming more Republican. We're not, you know, but we're we're unable to push back because the left controls the legal system here so strongly. You know, uh, Sam, Dr. Bradley, I, I, I don't think, know where to go. It used to be a conservative place, Mesa, Arizona. You'd think so, but now it's literally gone to the dark side. Uh, and, you know, I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't know if they're just going to be able to ignore it. And uh, I guess it's an era of now. But they say every state is a border state because they're shipping these illegals everywhere. Uh, in the documents that this lady provides, it's not only Arizona that's corrupt, Rachel. It's, it's really several beachheads all across the country, right? Yeah, yeah, they've it's a multi-state uh, operation that they're doing and 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 I've noticed that the Democrats seem to be targeting certain swing states. So it's uh it, you can kind of predict where they're going. And I, you know, I I watch out Florida cuz I think that's where they're headed next. Where are they headed next again? 
Florida because it's another key swing state that, you know, has been leaning Republican. So um, I, I absolutely think they're going to target Florida in the 2024 election. Uh, that's also a great way to try to take on Ron uh, as well. Uh, Dr. Bradley, what do you say to all this, though? That, uh, you got the evidence that was in the uh, meeting. That Now you've got Rachel and a few other brave journalists writing about it. Most won't touch it with a 10-foot pole, though. Nobody even knows about this in the mainstream, really, Scott. No, they, they do not. I'm confident. And uh, the word beachhead was thrown out. I think people need to go do, do a dictionary lookup. Words have meanings. Uh, a beachhead is a defended position on a beach taken from the enemy by landing forces from which an attack can be launched. We have beachheads all over this nation that are established now by the invasion force that's come in. And I think Arizona is a, is a casualty at this point. I mean, we're, we're just outside the uh, confines of Normandy Beach right now, and Arizona happens to fall into that. I, you know, I, I remember back in 1988 when, uh, when Ev Meekum was, was impeached, removed from office. And, uh, you know, if you, know, if you knew Ev, <laughs> this, this was a corrupt system that did this too. I think the whole basis of his problem was that they, they made him to be a racist over a Martin Luther King Day kind of thing. And uh, I am just absolutely appalled. You talk about Arizona. Okay, we're decades away from that. Arizona has slipped far. There's no question about that. But I look at Utah. I mean, our home state, Sam. I mean, I I am absolutely, we, we continue to call people Republicans here, but they're not, I mean, they, you know, the, the coin term, rhino, Republican in name only. They put an R behind their name in Utah to run, and they do these kind of things. Utah is a sanctuary state. There's no question about that, but nobody will admit it publicly because the Republicans are running things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Utah will, is a sanctuary sure. state. My county is. But the fact of the matter is, you know, we have allowed corrupt individuals to run things, and, and we are finding now that there's a fruits to be born from that. And, hey, Rachel. And I think that. Do you, do you think that we're going to have any repercussions from this, or do you think it's just going to go by the wayside? What's your gut on this? You're an attorney. You're a journalist. You've dug in and reported on it well. We're grateful for your leadership and your brave stand. What do you think is really going to happen? Any, any idea here? My gut instinct is nothing major will happen. They will do something very minor. They will, you know, somebody will get in trouble for a little misdemeanor, you know, one person, and then they'll say, see, look, that, you know, we, we took care of it. We looked into it, and, and there was really nothing here, nothing to see. Wow. That's what they always do. That's what they always do. I mean, so look at how just they understand. Then the debate is who's got more beachheads in America than the, the Mexican government and the drug cartel in bed together or the Chinese government? Who's got more control of America now? Not Americans because we've proven that the elections are a fraud. They just say we have no proof. But why are people going to jail in, in, uh, in, in Arizona and California if there's no proof? So uh, the bottom line is it's an epic battle that we're about to lose, and America will never be the same if we allow this to stand. That's absolutely true. I'm telling everybody we're never going to uh, win another election in, in, you know, like a presidential election. You know, I think 2024 is gone if we don't fix the voter fraud. And here in Arizona, Katie Hobbs has already said she's going to take over the legislature. That's the last thing Republicans control here is the legislature. And I believe she's setting them up because she knows that they're going to expand the voter fraud to the state legislature here, too. 
Heaven help us, Rachel. Final question is yours, Dr. Bradley. She's got to go at 30 after. Ellie, I'll just read a statement. I know I, I salute her for her bravery and her articles. Keep it up. Here's what one of the founding fathers, Noah Webster, said. God commands you to choose for rulers just men who will rule in the fear of God. The preservation of a Republican government depends on the faithful discharge of this duty. If the citizens neglect their duty and place unprincipled men in office, the government will become corrupted for the, not for the public good as for selfish and local purposes. And trumped and incompetent men will take over, and women nowadays, I might add. So keep it up. Uh, I'd love to hear more of these hard-hitting articles. Thank you, Rachel. Good work. There she goes. We always want to take the opportunity to promote Rachel Alexander and her incredible work. Pursuing liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Lance Pry. California's coronavirus emergency declaration is expiring tomorrow. It comes nearly three years after the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. Otolaryngologist Dr. Paul Jacques-Lepay says the end represents a shift in the way California dictates Golden State residents. Measures such as mask wearing indoors or some uh, restrictions of uh, public gatherings in public spaces or mandatory testing and, and such. Now this, of course, has to go more through a sort of um, approval process. Multiple House committees are focusing in on the Biden administration's response to the toxic train wreck in Ohio earlier this month, including how the government supervises giant rail companies. Top Democrat and Republican members on the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee announced that they will hold a meeting on the wreck's environmental and public health impacts. Did the COVID pandemic actually originate in a Chinese lab? The Energy Department has concluded with low confidence that the COVID-19 pandemic likely stems from a laboratory leak in Wuhan, China. That's according to a classified report delivered to key members of the House and Senate. Senator Dan Sullivan is pushing for hearings. Think about what just happened over the last three years. One of the biggest pandemics in a century. A lot of evidence that it's coming from the Chinese. And when other countries even raise it, the Chinese use their coercive economic activities to shut people up. Even so, one source is telling NBC News that the DOE's findings are not being viewed as hugely significant among the intelligence community because there are interagency disagreements about COVID's origins. I'm John Schaefer. SpaceX and NASA postponed the company's planned launch of Crew-6 to the International Space Station early this morning because of an issue relating to an ignition fluid. The launch was scheduled from Kennedy Space Center in Florida. Another attempt should be announced soon. This is USA News. Attention, small business owners. This could be the most important 10-minute call you will ever make. You may be eligible to receive up to $26,000 per employee through the Employee Retention Credit. Call Omega Accounting Solutions to see if your business is eligible to recover payroll tax pay during the pandemic. All it takes is a quick, easy, free 10-minute consultation to determine your qualifications. Call Omega Accounting Solutions at 800-309-ERC. Omega's knowledgeable staff will streamline the process of filing complicated paperwork. Omega is the small business champion with teams dedicated to maximizing tax credits. CPAs even turn to Omega for ERC guidance. Take advantage of this exclusive small business tax credit before it's too late. The three-year sunset deadline is setting soon. 
So find out if you qualify today. Call 800-309-ERC. That's 800-309-ERC. Or visit OmegaTaxCredits.com. Back with you live, Dr. Scott Bradley with me. Uh, Noah Webster, great quote Dr. Bradley brought forth. I got another one that says this. When you become entitled to exercise the right of voting for public officers, let it be impressed on your mind that God commands you to choose for rulers just men who will rule in the fear of God. The preservation of a Republican government depends on the faithful discharge of this duty. Dr. Bradley, you're spot on on that, and that's what we're about to lose as we find out that, hey, Mesa, Arizona is run by the Sinaloa drug cartel, including the elections board, the police departments, prosecutors and judges. The DA prosecutes folks on false charges on behalf of the drug cartel and more. Uh, and uh, this is the culmination of the point Noah Webster makes and that you reiterate in modern times, sir. You know, it's interesting. Um, this is not just in Arizona, though. I mean, uh, you make the, a good point that we have been putting, um, if you will, uh, sleeper cells all across the whole United States as we have infused these people. It's like the Germans helping the 101st or the 82nd Airborne get it further and further inland uh, into uh, France, you know, on uh, in June of 1944. It's unheard of. It wouldn't happen. But that's what we're doing. We're putting cells deep in the United States everywhere we go. It's interesting. We we look at things. There's been reports of, of drug cartel um, gangsters, I guess you call them, that are in the uh, L.A. County Sheriff Department. Uh, you have instances, for example, the Utah legislature stupidly a couple of years ago passed a law that says you can be a police officer in Utah if you're not a citizen. Oh, that Nothing can go wrong with that. that what could go wrong, people? We look at these things all across the nation. We have Butch Otter, when he was governor of, of, uh, of Idaho, he, he used the term beachhead when he was trying to get uh, the Chinese embedded in uh, in the central part of, of Idaho when they were setting up a uh, free trade zone. Utah's governors, the last Utah's governors, well, the last few Utah's governors have been horrifically bad on that. In fact, one of them ended up being ambassador to China because of his uh, embeddedness, if you will, with the Chinese. Uh, so we have things like this going on all over the United States. We are selling our souls for a mess of pottage and, you know, and, and we talked here a little bit last Friday, just touched on it, about how in um, South Dakota, they've, the legislature has said, no, nah, we don't want to worry about any foreign uh, powers buying property in huge swaths in our thing. I mean, it's like, holy cow, they don't have to conquer us. They buy us. So, yeah, there's a lot of really crazy, crazy stuff going on. And Americans need to wake up to a sense of their awful situation and start taking a, a dramatic improvement of their 
education level and principles, and let's reinstitute the things the nation was was founded on. That's what quit we going need to do, with these lessers. We're, we're just ignoring all this now. According to the Wall Street Journal, lab leak most likely origin of the COVID nineteen pandemic. That's what the mainstream press is even reporting. It was on the top of the hour news and the bottom of the hour news. But the department now says. U.S. agencies revise their assessment. It's based on new intelligence. I'd sure love to know what that new intelligence is. But, Dr. Bradley, Fauci said that we were all bogus. They lied and said it was, you know, not a lab leak. And then eventually emails and everything else showed that it was. He still denied it. Now more and more evidence coming out that it is and was. Turns out the FBI and uh, the Justice Department and the uh, – Energy Department, I'm hesitating because there's so many governmental departments here. They're all agreeing that it's the case now. They came to their conclusions for different investigative reasons. But we said this right from the start. They mocked us. They shut us down. They ridiculed us. They literally suggested we were terrorists. And uh, now the evidence comes out that we were correct all along, doctor. Well, here's the deal. I mean, it's overwhelming that, that the point of, you know, spread started out in Wuhan but the, but most people I think what they're doing is they're saying look over there look over there it's it's a, they're trying to get us to look away you know the magician does that every time he pulls a sleight of hand kind of thing it started in in North Carolina in a, in a gain of function taxpayer supported kind of thing I've been saying that since day one when it got too hot to handle too much press they shipped it overseas to Wuhan. I mean, they, they do this for interrogations from the CIA. They backed into it some of them with Ukraine labs and everything else, we find out, too. No question about it. We we offshore this stuff when when somebody, you know, is a whistleblower that's maybe going to say something. All of this stuff at, at, in North Carolina was done against U.S. law, this gain-of-function stuff. Who does this? And, and oh, let's talk for just a second about... Um, California. Oh my goodness! So oh, thank you so much. They're going to raise the the uh, uh, COVID restrictions tomorrow. Holy cow! And and so they say. Oh no, we've contained and controlled. The governor won't have as much power anymore about this thing. We've got an unelected oligarchy that will review it and shut down religious liberty and businesses and and our ability to even leave our homes. Uh, anything. And so this is an unelected oligarchy. That's better. Are we fools? Yes, I think we are. But that's exactly what goes on. And, and just for example, I mean, my knowledge base of uh, state constitutions is far stronger in Utah than it is in California. But in Utah, there is no power, none, zero, nada, to declare an emergency. To declare an emergency is not constitutional in Utah. But they do in Article 6, uh, Section well, the 30. Very idea, the very idea of declaring an emergency, though, suggests that we can jettison the separation of powers. It's contrary like, to everything that our whole government's built upon. Our government and the separation of powers and all these checks and balances, um, Dr. Bradley, were designed when emergencies happen. It wasn't designed when everybody's obeying themselves and minding their P's and Q's and kind and polite and respect. It was when people try to run roughshod over the principles that could protect us to say, no, hold on, you don't have that authority. That's the whole design. So the idea of this emergency, whatever, is contrary to our whole form of government. Well, as I started to say, Article 6, Section 30 of the Utah Constitution says that in an emergency— no one can violate the Constitution. Nobody can step over 
and become a legislator if you're the governor. I mean, this is very specifically stated. And you're absolutely right. The separation of power stuff has become at risk. And, and so here we have, like for in California, for example, shut down churches. Uh, oh, my heavens, right? Oh, what happened to the First Amendment? This, you know, religious liberty stuff. No, 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 it's an emergency. Shut it down. But you can have lap dances, which is a much more intimate contact space than sitting in church pews. But so these kinds of things, we are run by buffoons and baboons. And we're uh, run by the lessers. cartels and the communist Chinese and everybody else but those who have sworn an oath to the supreme law of the land, ladies and gentlemen. I got a couple of other topics to discuss before the end of the hour. Um, but we've told you the most likely origin of the pandemic. Now, they also say that it was an accidental leak from a lab. So they're admitting the lab part, but they're not taking it to the next step, which is I believe this was an intentional leak by the Communist Chinese Party. Whether the United States leaders were involved in it or not, I don't know at this point, but I believe it was intentional. And you say, Sam, why do you say that? Because they've fought so hard to prevent us from getting any information. If it was really a leak and the good, the good guys were the good guys, they would let me take ivermectin. They would let me get oxygen. They would let me do the things, vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, all the things that could help heal people. But they've gone against that, and they've used this to foment a tyranny. So when they do that, you can't believe they weren't involved and or at the least taking advantage of it intentionally happening. But there's no way this was an accident, doctor. More evidence proves it. And the more they fight against the truth coming out, the more I'm convinced they're part of it. Well, there's no question in my mind. I mean, I am just absolutely um, I, I'm convinced that it's at a global level. I'm convinced that that there were people at, at planning tables in October at the very latest of 2019. And the World Economic Forum, they, they just had their big deal in Davos, as we've talked about before. This is what they said about it. The response to COVID-19 proves that a reset of our economic and social foundations is possible. To achieve a better outcome, the world must act jointly and swiftly to revamp all aspects of our societies and economies, from education to social contracts and working conditions. Every country, from the United States to China, must participate, I'll parenthetically say, we have and we are going on. And every industry, from oil and gas to tech, must be transformed in short we need a great reset of capitalism. That is from their website. These people are absolutely determined to destroy everything Americanist. The, the Constitution, absolutely set aside under Trump, under Biden, completely. And each hey, of the go states. Ahead and skip this break, was. too. Uh, All right, there you go. Don't get me started, Sam. Don't, All yeah. right, here's the next this, topic, though. Okay. I'll throw a bunch at you. There's so much going on in our country, we've got to address some of this. So Scott Adams is a well-known um, cartoonist. He's creator of the um, Dilbert comic strip series. Well, anyway, they say he went on a rant. Hundreds of newspapers are now dropping the Dilbert comic strip over his rant. Now, <laughs> the debate rages because they say it was a racist rant. He said white people need to get the hell away from black people. And he went on on this uh, rant. Um, the problem is, ladies and gentlemen, is everyone now is saying he's a racist. Now, Elon Musk jumps into the ring as media dogpiles on Dilbert. And Elon Musk says the media is racist. Now, here's my problem. Whether you agree with Dilbert or not, or agree with Scott Adams or not, 
He has every right to say and believe what he thinks, Dr. Bradley. So I'm not so much spending my time defending a statement that white people need to get away from black people. But his point is, hey, the black people are turning into racists. They hate white people. And we're literally using our tax dollars to promote the black agenda uh, with all kinds of things in colleges and everywhere else. The critical race you know, theory, the, um, you know, the replacement theory, all this is at the center of this discussion. But he has every right to his opinion, whether you agree with him or not. So I don't maybe defend everything he says, but I do defend his right to say it, doctor. You know, it's interesting that this last three years, there's been an unequivocal, unbending, unified assault against this right to speak someone's mind. This is America, people. And we have racists. Most of them have black skin nowadays. I'll, I'll be that blatant about it where you have some of these uh, people that are baiters out there constantly that are feeding and fostering the hatred. I mean, it's Marxist in its origins. And, yeah, there's white people that are racist, too. And you know what? America and we condemn them all, upon, by the way, Dr. Yeah, Bradley. Let's be clear. That's, that's true. We do. But the fact of the matter is uh, expressions of opinions are as Americanist as, the, uh, as forever. And the First Amendment thing about uh, this free speech thing and the freedom of the press, that was never intended by the American founders to allow lewd behavior or vocabulary or activities or art, so-called, or anything like that. It was there to allow the expression of opinions so that there could be a recognition that when things were going bad in this nation, in order to preserve our nation, we needed to be able to speak about it. Now, when you have uh, the Department of Defense teaching critical race theory at uh, West Point, the U.S. Military Academy, when you have it being promoted in, uh, you know, in indoctrinations that are happening to young troops that are coming into the military, when it's being promoted across the board in, in elementary schools and everything, but they shut down a cartoon? Are you kidding? I mean, they took 1,500 of my videos off. YouTube threw me out. Because of the, well, my, uh, my belief system didn't conform to the establishments. It's not a storyline. It's not a, a script. It is a script uh, about COVID. I mean, come on, people. When they can throw somebody out for expressing an opinion about something that's taking away our liberty because it, it oh, man, somebody might start to believe this guy. And we shut down cartoons. I mean, come on. What kind anyway, of I, have, I, I defend Scott Adams just like um, Elon Musk does. Now, I'm not an Elon Musk fan either, but I defend Scott Adams. He has the right to say this if he, if he believes it and thinks it. Uh, whether we agree or not isn't the point, the point that he has the right to say it. Now, I submit to you this critical race theory saying that everybody who is white is a racist by nature. It's innate. It's so ingrained. It, it, in fact, if you don't even know it, it just proves that you are idea. And then every black person or anybody else that's not white is not a racist. They can't inherently be their victims. That alone is a fraud, ladies and gentlemen. Okay? And, and, and this idea, there are a lot of white people that, that did their best to get rid of slavery, including the founding fathers. There's a lot of people well, see, who none of we're all God's children and we should behave like it. But see, critical race theory won't allow that truth to stand out, doctor. Well, none of my people ever, you know, ancestors ever were engaged in slavery, okay? and and But I got a white skin, so I'm one of the bad guys. You know, it's interesting, this Dilbert thing. Uh, you know, he 
his work heritage goes back similar to mine. He's he's younger than me, but but I had a, a long uh, exchange in as working for the old Bell System. And when I, his cartoons first came out, I I said this guy works in the Bell System. This is a commentary on the big bureaucracy within the Bell System. He never identified it clearly or anything like that, to my knowledge. But at any rate, he was in Pacific Bell. And I knew from this first cartoon almost that he was poking fun at a big bureaucracy that did business a certain way. Well, that's it's really interesting. Yeah, it did. But I had good people I worked with that used to send his cartoons to the management. People I worked for. Uh, there was a good laugh about it. Everybody knew that this thing was a parody on things that were going on. And, and you know, even the guys that got the cartoons sent to them as a kind of, hey, uh, have you thought about how you're doing business? You know, I mean, it never had a it never had a little commentary that went with it. It was just a cartoon. And the pointy-haired boss and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, it, it's just amazing how we have become so thin-skinned today that a guy that does a cartoon get censored I mean but it, but it's a whole broader spectrum I mean ivermectin I mean hydroxychloroquine some of these other modalities for addressing things that the the death jab and the clot shot have destroyed the health and system of of Americans today we lost religious liberty we lost our freedom to, to travel we lost our ability to do business the economy was destroyed you couldn't say anything about it and, and this is well, a and here's sad another commentary. example to make the point. You know, Kevin McCarthy, shame on him. He said he was going to release the J6 um, footage, 41,000-plus hours. And we all, everybody thought, oh, this is exciting. He will. I warned you that uh, McCarthy's a thug and that he wouldn't. So now it turns out that Kevin McCarthy released the information only to Fox News slash Tucker Carlson and no one else. And so that reminds me of the old Bible days before the Bible was mass printed, where it's like the kings and the thugs and the scribes and the leaders would say, let me tell you, read you, let me read the Bible and tell you what it says. Kind of an idea. Now they want Tucker Carlson to check out the footage and tell us what it says. But Mike Lindell's so mad about it now that he says he will sue Speaker McCarthy for sharing Jan 6 footage with only Tucker Carlson. I commend Mike Lindell. Look, this is the people's footage. Why can't we all see it? Why can't we all dig in and analyze it? Because well, they're afraid that they the want problem. to control the outcome, Doctor. Absolutely, it's it's a filtered lens they're going to put it through, and it'll be just as it'll be just as questionable as the Nancy Pelosi agenda. But it'll be so partisan, so it'll even it'll even create well, more I'm divide saying. stakes along the way, right? Absolutely, it's it's a plan. So as you say. Let us all take a look at it. Let's do full disclosure. Let's do uh, a transparency kind of thing. Let's not filter it through a lens or a, a propaganda machine or whatever. It's interesting. Assange, when when he he was a journalist, he was publishing stuff that he obtained from a third party, and now they got a witch hunt against him. You know, it's one of those things where he had obtained information that was not favorable to the powers that be. And so now they're going to chop his head off, not maybe literally, I hope, but the fact of the matter is they're doing everything in their power to discount everything he's done. I am personally so grateful. I mean, think about the uh, the Daniel, what was his name, Ellsberg uh, uh, pe Pentagon Papers that came out. Holy cow, we were bamboozled and duped. 
I mean, the whiz kids and the administrations, the Robert McNamara guys and everybody. I mean, it's like, holy cow, we kill millions of Southeast Asians, tens of thousands of Americans, maimed hundreds of thousands more over lies. And and when these things are, are published, they they duck and cover. They, I mean, there's the management team starts to work their uh, magic on trying to do a cover-up. And and I th- I think that, you know what, liberty thrives better in uh, in the light. And disinfectant is, light's a good disinfectant. And and we need to bring a lot of these things to light. I wish, why, why do you think Kevin McCarthy says, why is Tucker Carlson the, the vetter of everything? I mean, you know, a lot of people really like Tucker, and sometimes he says well, some great Well, the reason things, why, in my opinion, is because Kevin McCarthy promised he would release the information when he was trying to become a speaker, so he literally uh, gave in, you know, bet the farm on it. He got it, and now he's trying to be held to that promise. So what he's trying to do is keep that promise but yet be true to the deep state at the same time, and he knows that Fox will control Car- uh, Tucker enough. Tucker will get out enough information to make everybody incensed. Tucker will do enough to stir the pot and make people believe that, hey, we've you know, driven this to ground. But the truth is nobody will go to prison. Nobody who's in prison on false pretenses will be released. Nothing will change. It'll be enough to get everybody to wring their hands and go, oh, ain't that awful, but nothing more. And so Kevin's playing this deep state slash uh, keep his promise game, walking this line. And Tucker's going to be forced by Fox to go along. Um, or you know what? Behind the scenes, who knows what arms are being twisted. You better not release too much, Tucker, enough to make everybody kind of incensed and feel like we dug in was is important. But you better not go further than that, Tucker. And I'm convinced that's where we're headed. And Tucker, over this uh, issue with elections, look, he was one of the ones criticizing all the people saying there's election fraud in private while he was promoting election fraud in public on Fox. He's not to be trusted, doctor. Well, it's all about ratings. I mean, you think about it, that's that's your problem, Sam. I mean, yeah, you've got some explosive stuff, but maybe you don't do it in the right, you know, entertainment mode. You don't, you don't, don't wear the care. clown nose or something. I don't know. I know, don't I know care. you don't care. But I'm that's not a radio problem. clown, ladies and gentlemen. I'm a hard-hitting talk show host, and the country is in the balance. My goal is to spend my time in answer before my God at the judgment bar that I did my best to save the greatest country on the face of the earth. That's my goal. That's my duty, and I'll die on that altar, sir. Yeah, and I I take my hat off, and I'm doing my best to do the same thing. But you know what? It's not without censorship and a lot of uh, pariahship, if you will, but the 10-foot pole thing where people, sometimes they think, oh, no, we can't have this guy talk. He's, he might name names. And, yeah, I've been disinvited from speaking engagements that I've done for years because I name names and uh, actually point out the activities that are going on in a legislative session, for for example. And and it's kind of like the legislators, you know, hit birds flutter. And so they go to the management team and they say, you know, that's, that's putting on the event, you know, this Scott Bradley guy, he's he's just a little bit too caustic. He's, he's yeah, he hangs out with Sam goes. Bushman and they're racist oh, and anti-government, man. says the Southern Poverty Law Center. So there you go. That's who you got to believe. When have we been anti-government? We're the most pro-government people on the planet. We quote the Constitution. Uh, more than they've ever thought about. We highlight due process, checks and balances. We highlight the quotes from the founding fathers with solutions and warnings. I mean, what more do you want us to do than double down in the tradition of the proper role of government based on the supreme law of the land? We don't say revolution. We say restoration to preserve the nation. 
is Dr. Bradley's Collegiate Series available at freedomsrisingsun.com. That's as pro-proper of government as you can get, Doctor. Well, it's it's you know what? Government is a, it's a necessary evil, if you will. It needs to be limited and bounded. It needs to have specified, defined roles that are actually clearly uh, delegated and nothing more. And so when somebody tries to, oh, it's an emergency, show me the word emergency in your Constitution. Show me where uh, you can lock people up without due process. You know, let's violate habeas corpus. No. Show me where you can take over business. No. Article 1, Section 10 says specifically states cannot interfere with, with businesses that are, are having, operating under contract. And a contract could be an employee works for an employer. A handshake, a kiss, whatever you did to, uh, you know, to bring it about doesn't have to be a written contract. But, but the state cannot interfere with this. Oh, no, no. We've got to have state health departments that now come in and shut down restaurants, bars, hotels, um, I don't know, theaters, whatever, you name it. Oh, no, we, we can't have people meet in church. You know, the, the, the leadership of churches, when government came to them and says, we're going to close your doors, they should have said, the heck you say. I'd have said it a lot stronger. We are entering into a class action suit against you, Mr. Governor, and we may shut down because we determine that it's too dangerous to meet, but you will not shut us down. You know, it's kind of like Peter and, and John in the fifth chapter of Acts. When yeah, like Kurt Cosby says, what if everybody took their Bible to school is your point, and amen to that reality check could be. ladies and gentlemen could be yeah it's that example though that you know what folks what are they going to do if everybody just goes to church everywhere what if churches on every corner were just full what would they do the gestapo would come in under the direction they'd say we're just following orders i mean no eichmann uh, that didn't work no, for him the he shipped church, man. well if the cops had any fear by the way and tanzia that's what happened when their COVID response fell apart. They had the lowest death per million of all countries in the world, .86. That's less than one person died per million in their country. The first people that overthrew the, the tyranny, the cops took their masks off and said, we ain't going down this path. We're not going to enforce this. And the people went free. The best and they're of the not anti-government. They're proper role of limited government with checks and balances and restraining Remember, the Constitution is designed to chain down those who would abuse it, ladies and gentlemen. We need to remember that. We are the most pro-proper of government folks on the planet. Don't let them deceive you into their lives. Dr. Bradley, thank you, sir. Well, thank you. Have a good day, everybody. Other than that, it's not too bad. <laughs> his website's freedomsrisingsun.com for more information on the good doctor and his collegiate series to preserve the nation. We're two hours now on Brighty on Radio. How do you like them apples? LibertyRoundTable.com, LovingLiberty.net, BrightyOnRadio.com. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk Show. All right, and happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio, hard-hitting news that I was refused to use. No doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast for February the twenty-seventh in the year of our Lord, two thousand and twenty-three. 
This is our two of two, and the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country, to do so on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth using the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. Wow, there's so much to discuss. Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org. With me, welcome, sir. Glad to be with you, Sam. It's always good to be with you. My goodness. <laughs> Thank you, sir. By the way, two quick things before we get to the topics that you brought to the table. First one is, did you know that we've been expanded? Uh, our radio program is now two hours uh, on uh, Brighteon Radio. We used to just have one hour on Brighteon, uh, but now they've taken both hours. So that's fantastic news, and we welcome their listenership, sir. That is wonderful. Yes, welcome, all you new wonderful listeners. We appreciate your interest. Thank you. Mike Lindell suing Kevin McCarthy because he says, hey, you can't just give this information to Tucker and Fox. you got to let everybody see it, man. That's what you promised. So Lindell going to be suing uh, Speaker McCarthy. What do you say to that? Well, yeah, that's, uh, that's probably a good thing. Anytime we can extract more information out of these yahoos, probably a good thing. All right, I don't know if you heard about the explosive testimony provided by Jackie Berger at the Senate Elections and uh, House Municipal Oversight and Elections Joint Meeting accuses Hobbs, Fontes, Runbeck, and judges of racketeering in Arizona. Um, basically, she claims uh, in her uh, evidence and in her uh, testimony that Mesa, Arizona, is now run by the Mexican Sinaloa drug cartels, including the elections board, the police departments, the prosecutors, and the judges. And in Mesa, the DA now will make up false charges to prosecute anybody who speaks out or doesn't go along. She names names, places, dates, everything. That was huge uh, in Arizona in a meeting last Thursday. We had on last hour Rachel Alexander, incredible journalist, she calls herself a recovering attorney. <laughs> anyway, she uh, reported on all the, all the details. Are you caught up on this law? And what do you have to say to that? Mesa, Arizona, controlled completely by the drug cartels. Yeah, you know, I listened to that yesterday and, I, and uh, the whole thing. Yeah, I listened to it and, and I was dumbstruck by all of the information and allegations she put together. She said there's for the past four years, uh, her team has been acquiring and aggregating this you know, information, uh, her team was uh, between five and ten people, you know, at various times over those four years. And uh, that's an incredible amount of information to gather and now to disclose. I mean, it truly is explosive information. Um, the I was su pleasantly surprised that the uh, committee let her uh, make her report, you know, to, to go on so long. I think she spent like 45 minutes. Uh, making her report to the, to the committee, and uh, there, there were times when the committee says, you know, you need to bring her back in and talk just about how your findings relate to the election results, because she was getting a little far afield when she was talking about the, you know, the false mortgages and the false deeds and, and so forth like that, but um, it's Yes it's and no, I understand the point, but at the same time I say this is how the corruption happens, though. It's so far afield, yeah. sometimes it's hard to connect all the dots until you connect the dots of the laundering the money, until you connect the dots of the false signatures, and connect, until you connect the dots of 
um, than how these politicians have had these things happen uh, in their uh, situations and in their lives, enriching them, giving them authority and power that they ought not have, putting them in positions they ought not be in. Until you build that groundwork, though, it's hard to put the dots together and understand. If she just walked in and said, hey, there's election fraud, and I know it because there's a bunch of stuff behind the scenes that back it up and document the reality of the money laundering and everything else, but there's election fraud, everybody would say, see, there's no evidence. But then you provide right. all the evidence, and they say, hey, you're going way out in the weeds there. Uh, you can't bring all this evidence to the table. We just want to talk about elections. And my response is you can't do either extreme. You've got to right. double down and document, look, they're laundering money through these illegal mortgage transactions. They're literally putting money in the hands of a few people, and they are using that then to manipulate all kinds of databases to manipulate elections. It's money. It's manipulation of data, and it's all happening through these supposedly unrelated issues. I mean, when did you think that the Sinaloa drug cartel would be using title companies and it would eventually affect elections? You see, folks, you can't document it, so they can't, they'll claim no evidence. But you can't document it unless you do what she did. We're talking about signatures that don't match. We're talking about documents that don't really exist in reality meaning that they're uploaded, they exist, but they don't point to real people, real places, real money, real homes, except for real money transferred hands, you see. So the banks, the cartels, you've got to build that reality check to double down and confirm the proof, Lowell. Yeah, and uh, I was struck because the um, the cartels find that it works in, in Mexico, right? I mean, they run the government down there because they bribe, you know, through bribery and corruption, they they are effectively in control of, of, of much of the government there. And so now they're exporting that concept to us right here and, you know, to, to the state of Arizona. And apparently they're having great success because, I mean, she even mentioned that some of this bribery money was going to judges before they become judges. So you've got these promising attorneys, these promising, you know, young uh, prosecuting attorneys, defense attorneys, whatever, who, who are uh, ripe for uh, appointment to the bench, well, they start bribing them. They start giving them money uh, and, and so that they will uh, issue favorable rulings once they receive their appointment on the bench. I mean, it is truly corrupting um, the state of Arizona. And, and, who, and, and she mentioned other states, too, Indiana and Idaho and um, uh, one other state that starts with an I, the letter I. Uh, and, you know, being involved in this, it's just mind-boggling, Sam. That this, well, the this only question left is who has more beachheads in control in America, the communist Chinese or the Mexican drug cartel, huh? <laughs> it's, a, it's a race for the turf, right? I mean, they're fighting for turf right here in, in our own state. So we need yeah, to Yeah, well, McCarthy back. just gives evidence of J6th dishonesty to Tucker as if we can trust Tucker. Remember, Tucker's the guy that publicly promoted election fraud because there was ratings in it, but behind the scenes criticized everybody who believed in and was willing to document voter election integrity issues, and he trashed them behind the scenes and didn't believe a word of it. Now it's all come out in court. Uh, so you can't trust Tucker. Lowell? No. No, I mean, he does bring some inf- some great information to light from time to time. He brings enough for hand-wringing, never enough to throw people in prison, sir. Yeah, right. Well, and you know, he's he wouldn't last very long on Fox if he were 
you know, hard hitting the, the same way you and, and others are in alternative. Uh, well, media. I'll, I'll hire him. He can come on Liberty Roundtable Live or Liberty News Radio and Loving Liberty Radio Networks and Brighty on Radio and all. We'll go ahead and make sure that he has a place if he wants to double down and, and hit hard for reals. The problem is he doesn't have the guts and all he's in it for is the money and the fame and the prestige. He's not in it to tell the truth and hold account. Yeah, well, that's a great point. I, I would love to see him um, be hard hitting because he certainly has a lot of followership. But you know, if he actually does begin to hit hard, then they'll they'll, they'll drop him like a hot potato. There you have it. Sad but true. All right, that's enough of that. I just want to give you a chance to speak out on some of those hot, incredibly hot topics. Now, Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, uh, says this: a must-watch. The Sheriff, a documentary put together by Chris Sanhall. Lowell? Uh, last Thursday evening, I went to a small theater here in American Fork, Utah, and watched this excellent documentary by Chris Ann Hall entitled The Sheriff. Uh, she described the origins of the word sheriff. You know, it comes from Shire Reef back in Old England in the you know, 11, 1200s. Uh, how the sheriff in those days was a weapon of the king, you know, like the sheriff of Nottingham would go and extract money from the people. Uh, he would call it taxes, but basically anything the people made, he would take and confiscate for the benefit of the king. But fortunately, the people did not tolerate that thievery uh, forever. They stood up against it. And, uh, the, and with the signing of the Magna Carta, they turned things around such that the sheriff became a protector of the people, not an instrument of tyranny. And this is, and she mentions this, you know, this is a major point of the documentary, how the sheriff used to be an instrument of, of terror and tyranny, and, and the people changed him to become their protector, meaning the sheriff is elected by the people, chosen by the people to, to protect them from the tyranny of a king. And, and so that's what the, the sheriff became then uh, over the centuries, and that's what it's supposed to be today. The sheriff swears an oath to defend the Constitution of the United States and to defend the Constitution of your state. He is not a hireling of the state. Now, this is a key point, Sam. The sheriff does not work for the governor. He does not work for the, um, the city council. He doesn't work for the county commission. He works for the people because he's elected by the people. And so he's not there simply to enforce the laws, you know, any, any laws passed by some legislative body, laws that violate our inalienable God-given rights. He is there to protect the people in their God-given rights, right? And, then, and so basically the first fourth or third of the, of the documentary talks about this this um, this institution of sheriff, the office of sheriff, and how it was a it was a, it was a bad thing at first. It was changed to become a good thing, and uh, it's very very uh, very good. Hey, can you skip the break for low real quick? All right, perfect. Go ahead, sir. Very good presentation about the sheriff, and and it mirrors much of the information that the the CSPOA has brought forth over the years. The Constitutional Sheriff and Peace Officers Association. Uh, the very thing that they have been teaching for years, this is it, it, this is brought forward in this documentary in a, in a nutshell, and it's so so good uh, to see this uh, brought out in the documentary. Richard Mack, in fact, has a has a, a short clip of him talking about 
the role of sheriff right in this documentary. Now then, uh, Chris Ann Hall highlights a couple of situations. Uh, they're, they're similar situations um, where a minister is told to shut down his church in the midst of the COVID slam, uh, pan, you know, so-called pandemic, right? I mean, this is where government with its heavy hand came along and said, okay, you churches, you're not essential. You got to shut down. And, uh, and, and so she looks at two different cases. The first case is where um, the a weak sheriff, one who does not understand his proper role, basically a sheriff of Nottingham kind of sheriff, he fails to stand up for the rights of the minister to continue to, to preach on Sunday, to open his church to the homeless and to feed the, uh, the hungry and so forth. In the second situation, the sheriff is a good sheriff. He stands up for the right of the minister to hold church and even promised the minister that he would even that he would do so even if he ended up in jail for doing so. I mean, that's the, the guts of the sheriff. He says, I will do whatever it takes to protect your right to, to meet and to assemble and to hold church on Sundays. And this is church. religious freedom he's standing up for, one of the most dear freedoms we have. We lose that one, and they're all going to domino, and we lose it all. Uh, this is a quintessential liberty to defend. He's, he's spot on on this, Lowell. Absolutely right. And it was in this case where the state police were uh, uh, coercing the minister to shut his church. Um, the state police, of course, are employed by the governor. And so it, they, they even had a clip uh, showing when the state police came to the home of the minister to serve him, noticed that he, was, that he had to shut down. Um, the state policeman um, was very, um, what should we say, he wasn't bullying. He was saying, look, I have to do this. Uh, the governor says I have to serve you this notice. I'm sorry that I have to, but I have to. <laughs> you know, I mean, he was very apologetic. Yeah, but he doesn't have to because, remember, this is the sheriff's duty. When, you're, uh, when you swear an oath to defend the laws of the United States based on the supreme law of the land, the Constitution, and the state Constitution, when some bureaucrat, including a governor, decides to violate the law and force upon the people some type of mandate, edict, whatever you want to say, declaration, executive order, he's violated the legislative body. He's violated the courts as well. And the other two branches of government should rein him in. But if they don't, the sheriff should do so as well. And they say, no, the sheriff needs to obey the law. Not if it's a law that conflicts with the Supreme Law. At some point, the sheriff's got a decision to make. Will he back a mandate or will he back the Supreme Law? And that's really the quintessential point being made in the movie and the point that the CSPOA has made forever. Richard Mack went to the Supreme Court and won on that very point. So to those who say we're on legal shaky ground or we don't know what we're talking about, well, the courts agreed with us, not with the so-called uh, naysayers. So um, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Uh, but it's a great movie. you got to watch it. Isn't it uh, very expensive to watch, though, Lowell? No, it's not. In fact, it was free. <laughs> no, I know, but, but I mean, if somebody wants to watch it now, where do they go? Where do they... Oh, 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 yeah. You can find it uh, on the Internet, I guess. You know, I didn't look. Um, I'm sure that it will be available uh, on Chris Ann Hall's site, uh, is my guess, and uh, hopefully many other sites. That's a great question. All right, I'll, I'll so we'll, we'll dig into that. Break. In the meantime, though, they got a bill. Uh, I guess uh, Mike Smith, our current sheriff, Lowell, is now uh, leader of the Utah Sheriff's Association. But now Mike Smith and a couple of legislators are trying to put a bill in place. A lot of people love it. I don't. We'll talk about it. Sir? Well, HJR 10, it's entitled Proposal to Amend the Utah Constitution 
to include the Office of County Sheriff. Now, when he talked to our, our county party um, central committee on Saturday, just a few days ago, he said that uh, basically there is a movement in, in a number of states in the country to eliminate the Office of Sheriff or to at least um, clip their wings so that they all they do is, is, is handle the jail and then handle the courts, right? They don't want them out and about uh, the public uh, uh, protecting the people. And so our, our, you know, Sheriff Mike Smith stood up against that, and he says the association stood up against that, and they want to put into the Constitution the office of, of county sheriff to guarantee uh, for in perpetuity that we have a sheriff in every county in the state of Utah. So that's what he said, and that is the purported intent of HJR 10. It sailed through the House, it sailed through the Senate, and um, in all likelihood it will be on the ballot in 2000, November of 2024 for the people to consider as an amendment to the Utah Constitution. What it says is very simple, three sentences long. It says, quote, each county shall have an office of county sheriff. The office of county sheriff is an elected office. The term of office shall be four years from the first day of January next after their election, end quote. Now, uh, you know, so ostensibly putting this office into the Constitution helps to safeguard it for us, the people. And, um, and, and so now I'm interested in hearing why you um, don't like this, Sam. Yeah, so let's think about this, ladies and gentlemen. Everything in America is built on checks and balances. Remember that. All right. And what this does is it takes away a check and balance. Right now, who does the sheriff answer to? People. All right. Now, they say, don't worry. Uh, read the language of this bill really quick. Read the very first line. Well, um, let me bring up the bill. It's, the very first uh, line basically says, hey, this creates the office of a sheriff. Yep. Wait a minute, man. We've had a sheriff's offices, 29 of them, for literally since what? When did we become a state? Late 1800s, 1895 range? So we've already had the office of a sheriff. Why do we need to create one? You want me to give you the answer? Because right yeah. now, uh, that sheriff precedes the government and answers to the supreme law of the land in his oath and to the state constitution in his oath. But yet he's elected outside of that framework by the people. You go ahead and create a new government office. You now create a new sheriff who answers to the governor who answers to the state legislative body, who now doesn't have any accountability to his county or to those people who elect him. Because if you don't obey, Sheriff, we'll just dissolve your office. Or if we don't like what you do, Sheriff, we'll minimize your abilities. Right now, there's no authority to minimize the Sheriff because it's not defined. It's intentionally left outside for a check and balance. It's one of the great unknown checks and balances America doesn't realize. And you put this under the governorship, and now you've lost the battle. Because what's the difference in that versus a... a, a a police officer elected by the mayor. This will be created or by the governor, right? Well, let's go back and read that. The first line doesn't say it shall be created. It says each county shall have an office of county sheriff, right? So that's just putting into words what already exists. Read what it says? That, yeah, each county shall have an office of county sheriff, period. Okay, so if I say, hold on, if you already have something, then mm -hmm. you don't decide if I shall or shall not, right? But if you say, now I shall, I can eventually say you shall not, right? If they t took it out of the Constitution, I suppose so, yeah. 
Yeah, okay. Well, but, so that's all you got to do. Or now we say if you shall have this office, now then I shall reduce the scope of this office over time as well, right? If it, yeah, if it's in you the You see, you give authority to the state that they have not got now. Yeah, well, we have to be careful there because, I mean, just the, the Constitution, in the Declaration of Rights, you know, the first section of the Constitution talks about the right of the people, you know, to, to, uh, to due process, for example. And so, by, according to that argument, Sam, if you put that into the Constitution, then they could also take it out of the Constitution and deny you the right of due process. So, I mean, you got to have it somewhere, right? I mean, that's the value of having Why? the state Hold constitution. on. Why? We've gone 150-plus years without it. Why do we got to have it now? Well, because we're losing the office. The, the, the county of Salt Lake here in Utah uh, doesn't have no, a sheriff. No, so the people, in the, county, the people in the county did not defend the God-ordained reality, and they're losing their right of a sheriff. That's true. But is it the people of the county's fault, or is it the government's fault? And do you expect bureaucrats to defend it better than the people? Well, the county commission in Salt Lake is the ones who changed the the, the office of sheriff in the Salt Lake County. Because, but but if this line had been in the Constitution, they wouldn't have been able to do that. Because no, just the governor would. No, no, the governor can't do it. Uh, you know, if it's in the Constitution. See, the Constitution is written by the people. We have the sovereignty. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't have, define the scope of the sheriff. It just says now the government controls the sheriff because it's a newly government-created office. Otherwise, down the road, then, they'll start to define the sheriff's role. Perhaps. Well, I mean, but in the Constitution, right, I mean, they, they're, they're pretty vague. The Constitution remains vague purpose on purpose because they don't want to, to have to write the details there. Uh, you know, and, and so I, I think that's probably something we can hang our hat on. If it's in the Constitution— don't you feel more safe that the, the the office of sheriff is going to stay around forever? No, I don't. In fact, I feel less safe because, again, huh. it changes it now. Right now, it's county by county. you got 29 different districts. What you want to do is change that to be one to make the decisions. And that one is further from the people and shown to abuse the constitutions of both since their inception. So I trust the what people you- on the local level in all 29 counties more. Yes, one county's gone south. Let that be a lesson and have those people in that county decide to reverse course based on the other 28 great examples across the state. Uh, but you take that 29 and move it further from the people into one head, and I'm telling you, you'll, you'll rule, you will rule the day that you yeah, do Yeah, now what, what moves that into one head, though? Basically, we're just writing it into the Constitution. That doesn't say that it's subservient to the governor. It doesn't say it's subservient to the bureaucrats. It just says the county's got to have, got, got have a sheriff. The county already has one. And, and, but Salt Lake doesn't. Yeah, they do. They've just diminished, diminished, diminished the scope of the sheriff. Yeah, yeah, I guess that he, he, yeah, he, he is the sheriff in, 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 uh, by name, but he doesn't have yep. the power. So the county the can bring it back, but the other 28 have been safe from that abuse. Mm-hmm. Now those other cool. 28 will be under the uh, thumb of, uh, the the people who decide. I'm telling you right now, legislative bill after bill will eventually destroy the office of the sheriff if you let this happen. Right now, the sheriffs can thumb their nose and say, I don't answer to you, Governor. I don't answer to you, uh, so-and-so. I answer to my local branches of government, to my DA. I answer to my legislative body at the, at the county level. But you're going to take 29 counties and put them all under one great legislative head with a governor who will then, through executive order, continue to 
minimize the sheriff's scope and authority. I say this is dangerous. Uh, well, and let me give you another argument in your favor, <laughs> and that is this. The bill sponsors were House leadership and Senate leadership. you got the Speaker of the House, Brad Wilson. You've got the Senate President, Stuart Adams. Typically, those guys do not support liberty-oriented um, legislation. So, so there yeah. is a gargantuan red flag along with one of the most liberal sheriffs in the state in Utah County. Isn't that interesting? The second largest county in Utah wants this. By these bureaucrats and the sheriff. Do the people want it? Well, I'll, I'll give you a quick reality check in seconds on your radio. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Lance Pry. The National Transportation Safety Board says a plane that crashed in northern Nevada over the weekend may have broken into pieces before it hit the ground. Vice Chairman Bruce Landsberg says investigators are still determining the cause of the crash that killed five people just minutes after taking off from Reno, Nevada, en route to Salt Lake City, Utah. The radar track and all of the radio communications with air traffic control were absolutely normal. There was no distress call. Seven tornadoes were reported overnight in Oklahoma, knocking out power to tens of thousands of homes. Severe weather and excessive rainfall continue in the Midwest today. Heavy snow across the California mountain ranges, below average temperatures in the west and above average temperatures in the east. Snow and ice are expected across the upper Midwest, Great Lakes, and northeast today. The Internal Revenue Service extends the tax deadline in California. The Internal Revenue Service has extended the 2022 tax filing deadline to October 16th for people in storm disaster areas of California. The extension applies to people living in counties where the disaster has been declared by FEMA. This includes individual income tax returns, various business returns, and the filings of tax-exempt organizations, normally due on May 15th. Among other things, this means that eligible taxpayers will also have until October 16th to make 2022 contributions to their IRAs and health savings accounts. I'm Julio Flores. Just seconds away from liftoff at Kennedy Space Center in Florida very early Monday morning, NASA and SpaceX canceled the Crew-6 launch to the International Space Station due to an issue with the Falcon 9 rocket's engine ignition system. More will be known later today. The death toll is climbing after a boat carrying migrants off the coast of Italy breaks up in rough seas this morning. Afghans, Pakistanis, and Iraqis were attempting to seek asylum in the European Union. This is USA News. Attention, small business owners. This could be the most important 10-minute call you will ever make. You may be eligible to receive up to $26,000 per employee through the Employee Retention Credit. Call Omega Accounting Solutions to see if your business is eligible to recover payroll tax pay during the pandemic. All it takes is a quick, easy, free 10-minute consultation to determine your qualifications. Call Omega Accounting Solutions at 800-309-ERC. Omega's knowledgeable staff will streamline the process of filing complicated paperwork. Omega is the small business champion with teams dedicated to maximizing tax credits. CPAs even turn to Omega for ERC guidance. Take advantage of this exclusive small business tax credit before it's too late. The three-year sunset deadline is setting soon. So find out if you qualify today. Call 800-309-ERC. That's 800-309-ERC. Or visit OmegaTaxCredits.com. 
All right, a hot topic on your radio, Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org. We're talking about sheriffs. And Mike Smith, the second largest county in the state of Utah, is pushing for this. You got two, um, they say this, Smith and the Utah Sheriff's Association worked with House Speaker Brad Wilson and Senate President Stuart Adams to sponsor HJR 10, the proposal to amend Utah's Constitution, election of county sheriffs. Now, I find it fascinating that the people aren't asking for this at all, but yet they don't have authority to make this change, but they want to go to the people to obtain authority to make this change. Why are they even worried about it? Who brought it up? What's their agenda? What do they hope to gain? Do you really think that these bureaucrats um, really have something to gain here, or do you think we the people have something to gain? We haven't been worried about it as the people for 150-plus years. Well, I think it's incumbent on us, Sam, the people. We need to, I mean, if it's going to go into our Constitution, then we need to, to make sure that we, we defend it uh, and, and be more, much, much, more, much more acquainted with our Constitution. I mean, one of the failings we have as liberty-minded people is that we, we, we always point to the U.S. Constitution, but we rarely point to the state Constitution. When in reality, I think our liberties are better protected by our state constitutions than they are the U.S. Constitution. In fact, the Bill of Rights was never intended to be applied to the states. That came along 50 years after the passage of the so-called passage, which was actually illegal passed, illegally passed, the 14th Amendment. 50 years after that amendment came along, the Supreme Court came up with this idea of incorporation. They call it the incorporation doctrine, where they where the Bill of Rights is incorporated and, 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 and enforced on the states. And this has given the general government veto power over whatever a state decides. And it, it's, it's wrong-headed, it's anti-federalist, and it's, you know, it, it's bad news. So we need to resort to the state constitutions far more often than we, than we have been doing. And, you know, I, 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 I think I understand where you're coming from on this, Sam, and, and and I just hope that um, the people will defend the office of sheriff, whether it's in the Constitution or not, uh, will defend the office Amen of the sheriff. Amen to that. Now, but by the way, Richard Mack, yeah. Sheriff Mack, and others agree with you on this bill and agree with these uh, legislative bureaucrats. Uh, they agree with you on it. They think it's a good thing and we need to codify it and it'll protect the office of the sheriff. Uh, I, don't, I don't personally see it that way. Uh, again, when you have a bureaucrat-led... And these bureaucrats have never been for our cause before, uh, uh, pushing for something and then asking the people to, on the back end, hey, you got to do this because we don't have authority. Give us more authority. Give us authority to do that. Give us authority. Um, I can tell you right now, um, you will wish you hadn't done it. But I, I can't convince anybody. Uh, everybody's going to go along and do it. And then later we'll be discussing this in 10 years. And we'll see how strong the sheriff is in 10 years. <laughs> okay. Because it looks like it's going to happen. It's got like co-sponsored by almost everybody in the legislature, and oh, and that should tell you that should warn you as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's really and, good for the people that you have that much support for it. Nothing that's really good for the people gets that much support, right? <laughs> well, yeah, probably right. I mean, and there's some cases when something is so obvious that yeah, it, it's a good thing. But you've thought about this far more deeply than I have, Sam. I mean, I. I just saw that and, and shouted Yahoo, didn't give it a second thought, but you've caused me to begin thinking about it, and that's a good thing. So, um, yeah, I, I might withdraw my support for it. We'll see. Yeah. 
All right. Anyway, Mike Smith hasn't been our friend and hasn't done what's right either. He won't even really meet with the people hardly unless it's under very controlled uh, circumstances. I'll see if he'll come on the radio with me and debate this with me. How's that? Yeah, that'd be great. You think I'll share if Mike Smith has the guts to come on the radio and uh, debate this with Sam Bushman? <laughs> yeah, he he might. He might do that. All right. We'll, we'll see if he will. I'll let, I'll let you know what happens. Okay. There's a couple of other bills we got to highlight, though, as well, Lowell. Yeah, yeah, real quickly, we don't spend, need to spend a lot of time on this, but there's a Senate bill, 171, entitled Health Care Practitioner Liability Amendment. Now, this is a, a, a bill that would give doctors the freedom to heal people rather than being confined solely to the accepted standard of care promulgated by the CDC, the WHO, and who knows who else, right? Basically, this bill would prohibit the Division of Professional Licensing from sanctioning a health care provider's license when they deviate from the medical norms or established practices uh, of the industry, right? So basically, folks, it, if a doctor helps a patient to heal using ivermectin or, or hydroxychloroquine, then, then he can continue to do that in Utah without the backlash or without the risk of losing his license to practice medicine. I mean, that's basically, they've been under the thumb of big medicine, most of our doctors in this state, who have been hesitant to speak out in favor of, like, ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine or alternative, you know, get some sunshine, get some zinc, you know, some of the, all, the natural remedies uh, for COVID. They've been reticent to speak out because they, they, they fear that they will lose their license to practice. They, you know, if they spend all this money, hundreds of thousands of dollars to get educated to become a doctor, and then they're under the thumb of big medicine, and if they ever do anything or speak, uh, say anything that, that contravenes what big medicine says is the right way to, to care for some condition, they could lose their license. I mean, it's... it's, it's it's, um, it's a bad deal, and this bill, I think, takes us one step in the right direction where um, it prohibits the professional licensing uh, board from sanctioning a doctor who deviates from the medical norms. So I, I like it. Um, it has strong support in the Senate, and it is now in the House for their consideration. Sam? Yes, sir. Really quick. I was leaving a message. Uh, I tried to call uh, Mike's office, Sheriff Smith. Mm -hmm. Of course, he's not in this morning, don't you know? Uh, and so then I uh, tried to talk to the lady, and I said, I'll leave a voicemail. She said, oh, I'll just take the message. So I started explaining to her. Who I was. She goes, wait, hold on. Let me let you send that to voicemail. I said, that's what I thought. Anyway, so then I'm leaving the voicemail right as you came to me. Uh, so we'll see oh. <laughs> what his response will be. But I wanted to make sure we got that done uh, on the good, radio. Good. With regards to this unique bill, you know, there's so many bills that it's gotten to where I'm almost just ready to say no to everything all the time, even if it's good. Because I just find that, you know what, it's so iffy. you got to study everything till the cows come home, right? Health practitioner liability amendments. But I just find that it's, it's always a two-edged sword. You always think something's good, and before you know it, there's flies in the ointment and everything else. It's almost better to vote no every time, lol. <laughs> yeah. You could be wrong yeah, on well, occasion, but will you be right more than you're wrong if you do that? Uh, no, yep. But the odds say you'll be right most of the time. You vote no on all the bills. But, I mean, take the, 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 the right to, National Right to Work Act, for example. Um, basically, that's a bill that would eliminate the um, 
the ability of, of unions, right? I mean, basically, it, it removes a whole section of code from U.S. code. And so occasionally, you know, that's something that Mark Roberts did when he was in the legislature. Every session, he introduced a bill that eliminated some aspect of licensure, you know, from the state of Utah. You remember, like, uh, he did it for cows. If you own a cow, you can sell the milk. I mean, that was a good thing. He did it for beekeepers. If you own bees, you don't have to register your bee hives with the state, and that was a good thing. So, I mean, not all bills yeah, are bad. Yeah, I guess I, I, I agree, but I guess what I'm saying is this. Who already has authority to control bees or what you do with your honey or cows? See, they have no authority, and we want to codify with another bill saying, oh, you don't have the authority. But then that becomes a double-edged sword later down the line, see? Yeah. Uh, eventually, we're ruling by edict and by legislative reality, not by fundamental rights and God-ordained constitutional realities. And if you're not very careful, you get 56 steps away from the real intent, and you say, well, they gave authority here, but they didn't here. Now we reverse that authority there. Uh, it reminds me of the 17th Amendment a lot. In other mm-hmm. words, hey, let's just disable a check and balance there. Uh, and, and if we're not very careful, what we do is we rule by uh, regulation. We rule by uh, the the negative instead of the positive. Or, in other words, of course it's a God-given, ordained right, an alienable right. Uh, to now we're going to debate the details of the privilege. And if we're not mm-hmm. very careful. So I appreciate what you're saying, and I appreciate these bills, and temporarily they sound great. In the long term, I'm not so sure. Because at some point you say, well, they can regulate and force permission or non-permission for this and that they can for the other three gazillion things in the, in the world i kind of yeah, like the lord's so, idea we've got 10 commandments and you know what we just don't need more <laughs> yeah. right <laughs> that's right well in the case of you know mark roberts's bills he would actually strike from the code whole sections of the code and that was a good thing because that takes it that that removes you know regulation from the, the state code that's a good thing but like in this case, it probably is, you know is an amendment of existing code. So you're not striking any of the code; you're just amending existing code, and that is still prone to problems in the future, just as you have described. But you do stand for this bill, though, for the reasons you've highlighted, right? That's right. Yep. All right, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, I'm not here to argue about the bills uh, with Lowell. I'm here to have you think through them. It's SB 171, Utah. HB 131, vaccine passport prohibition coming up in seconds with Lowell Nelson. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8:44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil, spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the Lion of Judah. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch.
vaccine passport prohibition. Where are we sitting on this one of the great state of Utah, Lowell? We discussed this bill before. It's the one that prohibits the use of an individual's immunity status or COVID jab status, you know, by places of public accommodation, government entities, and employers, right? So basically, you're, uh, with this bill comes the, the notion that your employer cannot, you know, uh, force you to take the jab. The government entity cannot force you to take the jab, and in and, and a public a place of public accommodation like, you know, Smiths or, uh, you know, Lowe's or, or some Home Depot, you know, place that, you know, that accommodates the public, they cannot force you to, to, like, wear a mask or take the jab in order to shop with them. So, you know, that's basically it, it prohibits pass, uh, vaccine passports in the state of Utah, and, um, you know, hopefully uh, this will protect us against future pandemics when the bureaucrats from the, the WHO, the World Health Organization, come down and say, you know, we've we got to have these vaccine passports in order to, to live, to conduct business. Well, yep. hopefully and we've got these off. discussions again, too, if I have a private business and I want to demand that you have a passport, do I have that right to demand whatever I want in my business? See, we get it's very debatable fast. And, and Lowell and I have actually had this discussion before to where that is a great concern. But you folks just have to decide whether you're for or against these bills. Listen to all the arguments is what I recommend and make up your own mind. Utah HB 529 is next, Lowell. Food shopping history requirements. Uh, it's a horrible bill. Uh, uh, it received very narrow, narrow approval in the House committee last week. It'll be considered by the whole House this week. But basically, this bill would allow the Department of Health and Human Services and local health departments to obtain uh, your shopping history. You know, if, if the store keeps such a history and if the customer consents, right? So, and if you consent. So, in other words, the purpose of the bill is like you buy something from a grocery store and you get sick, then the health department wants to know everybody else who bought that same product from that store so they can warn them that they might get sick too, <laughs> right? So it sounds, sounds good on the surface, right? But the, the problem with this is that, you know, we're, we're divulging information to the government about your purchases. And so they're going to know, you know, they would know if, if uh, you know, everything you bought there at the store, they would, you know, and, and in this age when the environmental social governance age, the ESG scores, the social credit scoring and so forth is becoming more and more popular, um, you're not going to want the government knowing how you spend your money because they might say, well, he buys Twinkies, so we're going to drop his credit score, so he's going to have to be less free to do what he wants to do because he buys Twinkies, right? I mean, that's that's where we're going with this type of a bill. Yeah, and, and to so, my to my point is that we never let government get control of our food discussions in the first place. We wouldn't be debating a downstream discussion like this. It would be simply like, what are you talking about? You've never had control of our food, and you never will. But that's mm-hmm. where we're getting in the seventh and final week of our state legislator here in U- legislative session in Utah. Uh, it'll end this Friday night by midnight, and thank the heavens. <laughs> it is frenetic. And in fact, this is the most dangerous week of the legislative session, Sam, because there's so many bills flying at these legislators. They're overwhelmed. Basically, they're overwhelmed. And, and, and they're now voting yes to bills. They don't know what the bills say.
whole bunch of mischief that happened just last week, but thankfully it'll be over Friday at midnight, and then we can relax again until, you know, next year at this time. Yeah, if we just stick with the two great commandments and the Ten Commandments and just leave 12 rules, and we don't need a whole lot more rules than that, ladies and gentlemen, we'd be in a whole lot better space. Trust you, me, write it down, and remember who told you first. (laughs) Vladimir Putin says forgive them, for they know not what they do. Very fascinating quote from the... uh, what do you call it, communist leader there, Lowell? That's right. He speaks to his people just like the State of the Union address, you know, Biden speaks to us, right? And so you can't believe a word they say. <clears throat> you know, you can't believe Biden. You can't believe Putin. But I just thought it was really interesting, this one snippet from his, his address, the State of, State of, uh, the State of Russia address. Um, I, because he's, he's talking about, I think he's talking about us. I couldn't tell from the context of this column, but this is what he says, Sam. Let me just tell you what Putin said in his talk, and you tell me whether this describes us here in America or not, okay? He says this, quote, They lie constantly. They pervert historical facts and attack our culture constantly the Russian Orthodox Church, and other religious organizations in our country. See what they do with their own peoples, the destruction of the family, cultural and national identity. Perversion, mockery of children, and pedophilia are declared the norm, the norm of their life, and priests are forced to bless same-sex marriages. God be with them. Let them do what they want. What do I mean by this? Adults have the right to live as they want, as we always thought like this in Russia, and we always will. No one will invade private life. We are not going to do this. But I want to tell them, look at the Holy Scriptures, the main books of all the other world religions. Everything is said there, including that the family is the union of a man and a woman. But these sacred texts are now in doubt. For example, it was just reported that the Anglican Church plans to consider the idea of a gender-neutral God. What can we say? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Millions of people in the West understand that they are headed towards a real spiritual disaster. The elites have gone crazy and it seems that they are untreatable. But, as I said, these are their problems, and we must protect our children, and we will do this. We will protect our children from degradation and degeneration. End of quote. Wow. What do you think about that, Sam? I think the pros in many ways sound great, but I happen to agree with Joel Skousen on this, that you know what? These communist leaders have learned that rather than forcing communism down our throats, all they got to do is feign that they're our friend, point to God, point to family, point to country, and make you believe that they genuinely uh, believe in the principles that you and I do. But trust you me, they uh, kowtow to our principles when they don't have the upper hand. Once they get the upper hand, though, they jettison those principles now, and they use their real agenda against us. It's like that snake that you pick up that bites you and then why did you bite me you knew who i was and you knew what i've done look this is a communist 
leader. He's been so forever. And he's talking about God to make us feel good and back Russia when right now America is at war with Russia, sadly so. I don't think we should be at war with Russia, but I also don't believe we should believe in the propaganda of these people. Uh, why doesn't Russia go ahead and just embrace the supreme law of the land and create the Constitution then? Uh, you know, so all I'm telling you is that it sounds good, and I don't disagree with the pros very much, but I'm telling you, I'll beware of the snake, sir. <laughs> My thoughts exactly, Sam. I don't trust any of these world leaders like Putin. Uh, he's killed too many people and harmed the lives and uh, of too many families to trust him. But I just thought it was interesting, his description of uh, the West. You know, I, I think he does describe Americans quite well in his speech, but uh, that doesn't mean I'm going to go embrace him and, and uh, you know, I hope for the best, but, you know, he's a snake, just like you said, Sam. All right, we've got a final uh, column that's great from one of your favorite authors. Lowell? Gary D. Barnett, sorry, Gary D. Barnett of Montana. His article published last week at com is entitled... The relationship between the American people and its evil government is the epitome of mass Stockholm syndrome. That's the title of his, of his column. Now, as you know, Sam, Stockholm syndrome is a psychological phenomenon usually attributed to a person or, or a group of people who have been taken hostage. Uh, and, and during the time that they're held hostage, they become sympathetic and attached to their captor. To such an extent, they form a bond, they form a devotion, they form a loyalty to their captor. That's Stockholm Syndrome, right? Now, Barnett says this is a mental affliction. It's a mental cowardice that can only lead to servitude. And so this is what he writes. He says this, quote, While more and more seem to be questioning things, as a rule, they are doing little, if anything, of value to stop the state's assault on their freedom. Talking the talk and walking the walk are two different animals. And begging your government masters to grant you redress is akin to a slave begging his owner to not treat him like a slave. End of quote. You know, and this harks back, Sam, to our subject at the beginning of the hour where we discussed the office of sheriff, right? We need a sheriff who's willing to stand up against tyranny. And a good sheriff needs strong people who will support him in standing up against that tyranny. We can't just talk about, you know, the problems we have and the freedoms we're losing. We have to stand up in defense of those freedoms if we ever hope to, to, to preserve them. And so that's why we need good sheriffs. We need good people supporting good sheriffs who will stand up like is portrayed in, in Chris Ann Hall's film, this good sheriff who stood with the minister in his community and said, you can stay open, and I will make sure that you don't get arrested because, you know, by the state police just because you're um, uh, preaching on Sundays. Um, so it, it, that's the value of a good sheriff. Um, continuing on, Barnett writes this. He says, quote, I do appreciate any effort to combat the state, but minor protests, carrying signs, writing letters to evil, murderous congressmen, Voting for rulers to lord over you and complying with tyrannical orders will never get the job done. A full negation of government is necessary. And avoidance, not of the real solution in favor of feigned resistance, but avoidance of all government demands is necessary if any freedom of the people is to be expected. 
This means that individuals in mosques must act and peacefully unless attacked and never bow to any state insistence to follow orders, end quote. So what we need there, Sam, is we need wise courage and lots of it. You know, we're on the verge of becoming a slave society, and most people do not realize it, <laughs> of course, which reminds me of that saying, no one is more hopelessly enslaved than he who thinks he is free. Yeah. Sam, I, th I think that's where we are Amen. today. I think most people think we're free. And, I agree. Um, and I, I think at the end line of his column really says it all, Lowell. That is this. He says, uh, what in the world will it take for you all to open your eyes to this obvious assault on your lives? That's his final question of his, of his column, Sam. And boy, and howdy, is that spot one. on, sir. Oh, man. You know, I look at all the, the things that are happening around us, and I just think, man alive, how is it that we haven't awakened to our awful situation? I mean, a lot of people have. I, I, I go to meetings nowadays. I don't know most of the people at the Liberty meetings, and that's a good thing because that tells me the more people are waking up to our awful situation. But we need, they need education. They need to hear from Sam Bushman. They need to hear from the Constitutional, uh, uh, Sheriff, and, uh, Constitutional Sheriff and Peace Officers Association. They need to hear real liberty spoken to them in hard-hitting terms if we ever hope to save the liberty, what, what liberty remains to us uh, to preserve, and then to reclaim those liberties that we have lost. We need courage. We need wisdom, we need education, and we need it fast, Sam. My response is very, very simple, Lowell. Whether you agree with Sam or you agree with Lowell, sometimes we don't always see eye to eye perfectly. Realize that it's not one's smarter than the other, one's better than the other, one's right, one's wrong. We're all trying to vet this stuff together as Americans, and you need to listen to all the arguments, make up your own mind, and we the people need to come together for the best solutions. That's the genius of this great country. We need to turn to God, family, and country to get it done, ladies and gentlemen. And we can do that only if we learn, educate ourselves, get on our knees and pray for God's guidance, and then get up and commit to promote God, family, and country. And so, you know, I don't mind these on-the-air discussions where there's difference of viewpoints, because I think we all learn and grow when we do that. Lowell, thank you so much, sir. You're welcome, Sam. It's been my pleasure. LibertyRoundtable.com. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America. <laughs>